In our last episode, we focused on grace as a strategy to use when parenting when our kids do something that we don't like. This time we'll focus on discipline, which sounds like the opposite of grace, but I want to show this in a way that can help you provide it in a way that's not so negative. It's an important strategy that we need with our kids, and we don't want to rely too much on negative responses. So this episode focuses on ways to use discipline effectively as a parent. I'm Dr. Sean Reynolds. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I work with parents and schools to generate strategies to help kids develop in a healthy way. This podcast, Quarantine Parent, focuses on strategies during this unique time. This is not therapy. It's general strategies that parents can use to make it through this tough time in short five or ten minute segments that busy parents can listen to and find ideas they can put into practice to help them and their kids. The word discipline tends to have a negative connotation. We think about it as being something that we do to stop someone else from doing something that we don't like. For our kids, parents often think of discipline as removal of a privilege, or a generation ago, we thought about it as something like spanking. Discipline, though, means something a lot more complex. There are a couple of definitions of it. The most common one is a way of enforcing rules on others. But we know that we like to have discipline for ourselves, too. It takes discipline to avoid eating a bunch of Oreos at one time, for instance. It's a way of providing training for ourselves to do things that'll help us in the long run. Even though I want a whole bunch of Oreos right now, I know that I shouldn't eat more than one or two. I probably shouldn't eat any at all. That's what discipline should be for our kids as well. When we punish kids for doing something they don't like, we want to make sure that the consequence is effective. That is, it's a consequence that helps with their future development. Remember that our goal is not to demand perfection. Our goal is to shape character and behavior so that our kids can become high-functioning adults. Punishment for the sake of punishment can quickly become abusive, and we don't want that. It's probably pretty obvious why we don't, but in case it's not, abused kids are generally not happy kids, and they're at risk for a ton of difficulties down the road. One way to develop these skills is to provide consequences for choices. This is an important lesson to pass on to our kids, because we all know as adults that choices have consequences all the time. So when we provide consequences for our kids, this helps them to make this connection in a more obvious way. A child may not see the long-term effects of eating a bunch of junk food all at once, for instance. It's important to see consequences as just one tool in our toolkit. We've talked about other tools in previous episodes, too. And consequences are not always negative. In fact, positive consequences are generally a better strategy when there's a way that we can use them. Positive and negative consequences are both useful tools in parenting. We just want to keep them in the right balance while using positives much more often. Kind of a rule of thumb is to provide them about 80% of the time, maybe about four out of five times that we're providing that specific feedback to our kids. A good general rule when providing consequences is to use the smallest one, positive or negative, that will move the needle. We don't want to offer a trip to Disney World for the child cleaning our room, for instance. We also don't want to ground a child for a year after leaving their dishes on the table. When our rewards are too big, the child can move towards only doing something when they see the reward, and we want them to develop the discipline to do the right thing whether or not there's an immediate reward for it. And similarly, if the punishment is too big, then the child and parent can forget the reason for the consequence. When this happens, parents either persist with it, which seems unfair to the child, or change it and loosen it, which tells the child that the parent's word isn't really the truth. We want to be careful to choose rewards and negative consequences effectively. I always like to give some specific strategies you can use, and there are a couple of techniques that help with this. The first is to make the consequence as immediate as possible. This helps any of us to tie the behavior to the outcome. This is some of what makes the pandemic so hard to manage. When people do risky behaviors that can result in them getting sick, with this condition, the sickness doesn't happen immediately. Or when people do risky things but they don't get sick, it leads them to think that it'll never happen to them. 
Let's contrast that with a very simple cause and effect that we've all learned about, most of us the hard way. When you touch a hot stove, you get the consequence of that immediately. It's very painful, and even though it typically doesn't last that long, you remember it. It's really strong. It's just long enough to let you know that you don't want to do that again, and most of us don't need that lesson more than once or twice. The second is to make sure the consequence has the desired effect on the child. We want to make sure that the reward is actually rewarding, and if we're given a negative consequence, then it's actually something that they don't want. As an example, sometimes teachers will make kids stay in at recess if they're acting up in class or not getting their work done. This is effective for most kids, but not for all of them. Some kids will crave adult attention, and if they get more of this by staying in at recess, then the teacher's plan can inadvertently backfire. For us, both of our kids were both big readers in elementary school. Now, I remember once saying that one of them couldn't read for a day as a consequence. This sounds like a really strange consequence to give, but it was effective for her. If we'd done something more typical like taking away video games, that wouldn't have really mattered because she wasn't really that much into video games anyway. The reward also has to be rewarding, and when the consequence is negative, they need to experience some unpleasantness and unhappy feelings. When the cons negative consequence is right, like taking away the toy they're playing with at that moment, it can be very effective. And if you try a positive or negative consequence that doesn't change the child's behavior, then it didn't work, and you should modify it. And finally, you need consistent follow-through. And again, this applies to positive and negative consequences. For instance, when you're building a reward chart, make sure that it's very clear to the child and to you how the child can earn the reward, and even more importantly, make sure that you follow through on it as you intended and as the child understands it. You want to set this up from the very beginning. Often when I ask parents about a reward chart, they'll say something like, "Yeah, we tried that and it worked for a while, but then it kind of fell apart. There's a couple of reasons why this could be. It was either because the reward was no longer actually rewarding for the child. So, like if they earned the same reward each week, and the first week it was great, and the second week it was okay, and the third week they didn't care about it. So then it's no longer effective. We need to tweak the reward. Or, the parent got busy and didn't follow through on the reward like they planned, so the child quit doing what the parent was expecting. This is another reason to make the reward small and easy to do for the parent. Parents, we're, we're busy people. It's hard to do elaborate and time-consuming things, so make sure the reward is achievable for you, too. And when you give a negative consequence, it has to be predictable to the child. When you say they're grounded for three days, you have to follow through on exactly that. Err on the side of a simpler consequence that's easy to enforce. If one day of grounding will change the child's behavior, then start there. You, again, you don't want to do more than is necessary to be effective. As a parent, I know that sometimes I can want to impulsively give a consequence that's not really smart to give, like grounding for too long. If you need some time to calm down to think of the right consequence, that's okay. Often just saying to the child that you need some time to think about it can be an effective consequence all by itself, as the child then has time to think about her choices too. So these are ideas that can help anytime, not just during the pandemic. As we talked about last episode, you want to merge consequences when the behavior warrants it, with grace, when it's not too big of a deal. Again, remember that positive consequences are often effective too. Most of us get an important positive consequence when we work, for instance, as long as we get a paycheck. Stay safe out there. This episode of The Quarantine Parent was edited by Jenea Reynolds, with support from Stephanie Landon, Stephanie Landon PR. Music was from podsummit.com. You can also visit my blog at quarantineparent.com. As always, this podcast is for informational purposes only. It's not therapy and not a substitute for mental health care with a licensed professional. Take care and stay safe.